Hey Rookie Big Board listeners, I'm excited to let you know that the 2022 Rookie Guide Volume 2 is now available at patreon.com slash the FF Educator. 130 pages of rookie insight, analysis, draft strategy, and more. You can get that in addition to my full Rookie Big Board rankings and access to the patron discord at patreon.com slash the FF Educator. Now, let's get to this episode. episode 104 of the Rookie Big Board Podcast. I am your host, Matt Hicks, the FF Educator. We're going to be breaking down day three landing spots from the 2022 NFL Draft. There are always fantasy-relevant players that come out of day three, so we are not writing off this draft capital. In particular, this year, remember, is a deeper year with more players having declared this year than any other year before, in large part because of the extra year of COVID eligibility. So there are a lot of players, and there are certainly a lot of landing spots that I think present some really good uh, fantasy football uh, stash ability, upside, and even some guys that have the potential to be impact players year one. Going to go position group by position group here, and I think we'll hit on pretty much all of the relevant players. Well, we'll hit on every relevant player, I should say. We might even hit on a few irrelevant players. Let's start here with the quarterback position. Of course, the biggest free fall is Sam Howell. He ends up landing at the top of round five, going to the Washington Commanders. Now, I had pre-draft paired up Sam Howell with the Washington Commanders. I just thought he would be in the first or even the second round. So like many here, I was surprised. Uh, Sam Howell saw a, a pretty sharp free fall in his rookie big board rating. It's a full point. So he went from a 7-5, which is a weekly starter, to a 6-5, which is a flex filler. Uh, to move a full point on the rookie big board rating is pretty unheard of. That's not something that happens normally. So it's a real reflection here of a large drop for Sam Howell. Still, he ends up in Washington here, which is a quarterback situation that is not the most stable. Of course, they brought in Carson Wentz. I think they brought in Sam Howell to start as the backup, but I do think he has the skill set to push to be the starter. It wouldn't shock me if Sam Howell is the starting quarterback of the Washington Commanders in three years, right? So this might just be a situation where you have to stash him a little bit longer. He currently sits on the Superflex rookie big board at 26 overall, which means that I still value him as an early third-round rookie selection. Bailey Zappi was a really interesting selection ends up going to the New England Patriots I love that fit a lot as a late third round or an early fourth round pick I think Bailey Zappi is worth stashing especially if your league is super flex and has uh, plenty of taxi squad spots available of course he is not going to be competing with that job with Mac Jones 
but I do think he can get coached up very well in New England, and I do think it could almost be a Jimmy G type situation where they could coach him up and flip him, or Zappi would have the ability to come in and relieve uh, Mac Jones if he needed to. Skylar Thompson and Brock Purdy both snuck in uh, to late day three territory. Not much here with either one of these guys for me, and we also had the South Dakota uh, quarterback here, South Dakota State quarterback, Chris uh, Ola Duncan, uh, coming off the board very late to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just kind of another body in that quarterback room. All right, let's go ahead and jump to the meat and potatoes here. I know everybody wants to talk about running backs. There's some good wide receivers and, and some sneaky good tight ends to talk about as well. But let's talk about these running backs here. And start with Zamir White. By the way, I'm working down in order of how they rank on the rookie big board. So I'm not going to go through and tell you each and every one of these rankings, but I wanted to let you know that I did. I am listing these off in the order of how I value them. And it does start with Zamir White. I know some folks are a little conflicted about this landing spot. I love the landing spot. I said pre-draft if Zamir White got uh, day one or two draft capital that I'd be all in on him. It sneaks just over into day three, which tells me the medicals aren't too concerning, right? We we saw other players, Carson Strong, Justin Ross, free fall because of major medical red flags. I truly believe that if Samir, if the NFL was worried about Zamir White's knees, then they would not have taken him at the top of day three. So we're looking at a player here who should hold up medically, at least for the first five, six years of his NFL career, which if we get that out of a running back is perfectly fine. Josh Jacobs uh, had his fifth-year option declined just before the draft. So I think Vegas went in intentionally looking for a running back that would be a cheaper replacement for him and potentially hold a similar workload moving into the 2023 season. In the 2022 season, I do think they're going to need Zamir White to be able to plug into that backfield. Everybody here knows that I'm a big fan of his skill set. So I value Zamir White at the back end of the second round. And just at the top of the third round here, I I have Isaiah Spiller, another one of the biggest free falls. He ends up going to the Los Angeles Chargers early on in day three. It's a tough landing spot because he's going to split early in his career with Austin Eckler. I love this if I'm a Chargers fan. I'm still very excited about Isaiah Spiller's talent. I think he complements Austin Eckler very well. And you know, and you gotta go back a couple years and think about the Melvin Gordon to Austin Eckler combination, and it almost feels like the Chargers saw a really cheap way uh, to recreate create that in a sense, right? And so it's not going to be great for Austin Eckler's fantasy value. It's not great for Isaiah Spiller's fantasy value, but I still believe in the running back. I still believe in the skill set, and I believe the Chargers have an out on Austin Eckler's contract either after 22 or I think after 2023. So it might be a long-term play, which isn't a term we love to hear with the running back position, but uh, somebody who would have been probably eighth overall on the rookie big board going into the draft ends up falling 17 spots to 25. Damian Peter Pierce is at 28. I value him as an early third round selection. I know that's not a popular take. I was lower than most folks on Damian Pierce's skill set for fantasy football translation heading into the draft. I know a lot of folks are ready to crown him running back one in Houston. He very well may win out that title, but I'm not ready to sit here and suggest that Damian Pierce is getting 60% of the volume uh, for the Texans. I like Marlon Mack. If Marlon Mack is healthy, I feel he's just as talented of a runner. I would not be surprised if Houston adds another running back or two. They're going to want to run the ball a lot, which is good. So there's upside here with Damian Pierce, but I, I think he... 
you know, I, I'm just proceeding with caution. Let me put it that way. I'm proceeding with caution, so I'm, I'm placing an early third-round rookie pick value on him. I don't think he'll go there. I think he'll go in the second round, so I don't expect to have any exposure uh, to Damian Pierce. This might be a little bit of take-locky here, but I'm still in on Kyron Williams. It's obviously not an ideal landing spot here, but I do think he can plug in right away as the third down back for the Los Angeles Rams. I think he offers a different skill set than Daryl Henderson, uh, and they've moved on from Sony Michelle. So I think there's an opportunity here for Kyron Williams to really complement what Cam Akers is doing. And of course, whenever you're the next running back up, you're only one injury away from being fantasy football relevant. You know, Kyron Williams, in terms of how much I liked him pre-draft, how he fell in draft capital, the situation he fell in, it's reminding me a lot of what we saw from Kenneth Gainwell last year, which... You know, at times, uh, Kenneth Gainwell immediately in his career became really relevant. His dynasty value holds to a degree. You know, I think for, for Kyron Williams as a mid-third round selection, that's all you can ask for, right? And so I think that is a really similar situation if you're looking for a recent comparison. All right, next up is Tyler, Tyler Algier. You know, really close here to where I have Kyron Williams. You know, I like Algier. Uh, it's landing spot, certainly. You know, landing with the Atlanta Falcons, it's going to give him the opportunity uh, to really be featured uh, in a running back room. However, you know, I, I wonder... Uh, really what that's going to look like is Cordell Patterson still going to get a lot of touches just before I stepped on to record this Mike Davis got released so there's opportunity here I was lower on Tyler Algier's uh, skill set going in I think than some other folks so again it's just another situation where I'm proceeding with caution I think he's a good player I'm not getting overly excited you know I'll tell you for his price I am really excited about Hassan Haskins out of Tennessee I have already ooh, try that one again I have already seen Hassan Haskins going consistently in the fourth round of rookie drafts. I'll take him in the third. I, I really will. Mid to late third. I love that landing spot with Tennessee. I think he's a real uh, easy back to rotate in when they want to get Derrick Henry off the field, which you'd have to imagine they want to do more. And then, of course, he's the zero running back dream, right? If Derrick Henry goes down, or if Derrick Henry goes down with injury, Hassan Haskins is going to plug right into that situation. So you'd have to be. Uh, I, I, I think I think you'd have to be excited about drafting Hassan Haskins in the mid to late third round. I like Tyler Beatty's landing spot in Baltimore. That's exciting to me. I think he's got a role right away as a pass catching back. You know, certainly not going to be the volume back unless J.K. Dobbins goes down with injury. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't be worried about Gus Edwards. I think he plays a different role in what they're going to ask Tyler Beatty to do. Isaiah Pacheco lands with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, late on in day three. A sneaky good fit. There, it's a crowded room, so no immediate impact from Pacheco. But a fast player on a fast offense is never something uh, bad to take a shot on late in your drafts. Jerome Ford, break my heart. I'm gonna wear that L uh, really, really loudly, like a scarlet letter here on my chest, because uh, Jerome Ford falls pretty far here in the in the rookie big board. I liked him a lot. I thought he had day two potential. Ends up going day three early, a fifth round pick. Uh, but he lands with the Cleveland Browns. It's a crowded room. Uh, potentially, you know, if uh, Hunt is moved on from or maybe Ford is the long-term play uh, just to kind of be that rotational guy that can swap in for Nick Chubb, it's not an ideal situation. There's no way about it. But in the fourth round of your rookie drafts, that's where you could start taking shots on the guys that you really liked going in but maybe didn't have great landing spots. And for a lot of folks, that might be the next guy we're going to talk about. That's Pierre Strong. My goodness, what is New England doing? 
they truly, you have to, you have to at this point respect their commitment to the bit against fantasy football players, right? Because they draft not only Pierre Strong, but also Kevin Harris, both of them, which profile similarly enough to both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, that all of those players take a massive drop in value. It is a lose-lose, lose-lose. The rare four-way lose-losing situation for fantasy football. My goodness. Keontae Ingram snuck in with the Arizona Cardinals. That's a sneaky good landing spot there. As a guy who profiles similarly to James Conner, uh, and he could definitely plug in there if Connor has to miss time. Snoop Connor ends up going day three early of the NFL draft. He's a touchdown guy. And so he has potential goal line uh, vulture capabilities, especially before James Robinson comes back from injury. So Snoop Connor might be a really sneaky deterrent to James Robinson's long term value, even when he's healthy. You know, Kennedy Brooks, Xander Horvath, Tristan Ebner, they all sneak into late day three as well. Uh, Nobody's super exciting that, that I feel the need to comment on. Before we jump to wide receivers, I don't want to bury the tight end lead because there are some sneaky good tight end landing spots. Charlie Kohler lands with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I know folks are a little upset because he will always be the tight end two in that offense, but Baltimore has been wanting to put a tight end two back into the offense since they missed on Hayden Hurst, right? They've wanted that athletic pass catch tight end and I think Charlie Kohler is going to get his right like 10 to 12 percent of the market share I really think he can do that which isn't fantastic but it's enough to be fantasy relevant especially as the Ravens moved on from Hollywood Brown and did not draft another wide receiver despite having 11 picks Cade Otten lands with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the very top of day three if Gronk doesn't come back Cade Otten has the ability as an athletic pass catching tight end to plug into fantasy relevance right away. Even if Gronk comes back, I think Kate Otten is going to have a role. Kate Otten is a cheaper version of what they wanted OJ Howard to do, right? And I think he has the ability to actually bring that vision uh, to fruition. Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State lands with the New York Giants. Remember, I was talking about the New York Giants as a top tight end landing spot pre-draft. I thought maybe Greg Dolchich would go there. He ended up going too early for what the Giants wanted to invest in tight end. But Bellinger is a a very versatile athlete. San Diego State moved him all around the field. Uh, And I think that type of versatility matches what the Giants are looking to do with Wondell Robinson. They kept Kadarius Toney. I think they want to be this creative offense. And there's a lot of volume opportunity, particularly at the tight end position for the New York Giants. That's a sneaky good spot. Cole Turner. Cole Turner, super productive in college, ends up getting early day three draft capital. I thought from his pre-draft testing, he might have gone as far as undrafted. So for him to get day three early draft capital is pretty impressive for me. Grant Calcaterra, I really like that landing spot with the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember, Calcaterra is basically a wide receiver in terms of his skill set. And we know Philadelphia loves to have that tight end too that's very athletic. They like to pass through two tight ends in their passing attack. And then uh, all of those guys, by the way, all of those guys I would consider draftable in a four-round a rookie, a rookie draft. I don't think in any particular league, all five I should say, Kohler, Otten, Bellinger, Turner, Calcaterra, I don't think in any league they will all go off the board, but I think they are all worthwhile selections there. Uh, Okonkwo, likely, Ferguson all went off the board, James Mitchell, uh, Nick Muse, a, f- a few other folks who have less fantasy interest to me. I will say Jake Ferguson I think will be a great NFL pro. 
I think he's just a really consistent, well-rounded tight end. And I think for the Cowboys, that means he can hang around and at some point potentially become fantasy relevant. All right, let's jump into the wide receivers here. Uh, And, you know, quite frankly, because we had so many wide receivers go off the board day two, it's actually interesting. There wasn't as many wide receivers that went off the board day three, but there were a good amount of wide receivers that went undrafted. So... Looked like the NFL really prioritized them in the first two days of the draft or in the UDFA. But there were certainly fantasy-relevant guys that came off the board, none which ranks higher for me than Khalil Shakur to the Buffalo Bills. Listen, I have been in on Khalil Shakur, right? So part of this might be biased, call it what you want, but I was so thrilled with this selection. I think his skill set matches perfectly what they were having Emmanuel Sanders doing there. He can eat underneath. There's volume for him right away. He's 27 right now on the rookie big board, so I value him as an early rookie selection, early third-round rookie selection. I would be thrilled to get him there. And if I'm sitting at 303, 304, and Khalil Shakur's there, I'm drafting him 100 out of 100 times. Calvin Austin the third uh, falls uh, to day three. I think a lot of folks expect him to get day two draft capital. He lands in a crowded wide receiver room with Pittsburgh. I don't love this landing spot. I know there are some other folks that are still a little bit more bullish on Calvin Austin. I still have him as a fourth-round rookie evaluation. If you want to take him in the third, no knock on you. I think he starts as a special teams guy and ends up getting his. I do think he works into the rotation, and I think he's somebody who will have some big fantasy football weeks, whether that's right away, whether that's down the road. I just don't know if he's ever going to consistently do it, right? Eric Azukanma, a really quiet early day three selection to the Miami Dolphins. Listen, it's starting to get a little crowded there. You have Jalen Waddle now. You have, of course, uh, Tyreek Hill there, but Azukanma has a complementary skill set to those guys that can put him along the boundary. I think he's going to be a good NFL player, a sneaky guy to add in the fourth round of your rookie leagues. I don't know if he'll ever be a super high volume guy, but definitely interesting enough. Romeo Dubs lands with the Green Bay Packers. The Packers end up adding Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, and they were pretty aggressive in their UDFA collection as well at the wide receiver position. So an interesting situation here for Dubs, who I've had concerns about his ability to separate uh, and his handwork, but it's a good fit there with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, sneaky guy, you know, as your final selection, maybe Mr. Irrelevant in your rookie draft. Kyle Phillips, a good landing spot with the Tennessee Titans, uh, possession type slot, uh, slot receiver. I think he really fits right into that Adam Humphreys type role, so he could have some pretty good volume right away. Bo Melton, a super athletic wide receiver, takes a pretty big plunge here. The Seattle Seahawks offense is not one that I necessarily want to be invested in at a high level right now, and certainly not with Bo Melton, who needs a little bit more manufactured production than I believe that uncreative coaching staff is going to give them. All right, next up, Jalen Naylor, the ability to stretch the field there for the Minnesota Vikings. Good player some opportunity there you know maybe he challenges that KJ Osborne type role so if you are in a league that goes 60 picks deep or you know six rounds deep uh, there may be the opportunity for Jalen Naylor to make an impact we had Samori Torre Mike Woods uh, Dereke Young all go as well so a pretty you know versatile selection here of wide receivers running backs quarterbacks tight ends that went on day three of the NFL draft there's certainly fantasy football relevancy with all of these 
folks. So I encourage you not to totally fade draft capital. I'm going to be back at it here more this week. I'm potentially with a UDFA episode. There were a lot of them, so I think it might be worthwhile to put together a quick UDFA episode. And then also talking about Dynasty context. Just finished the Dynasty rankings before I jumped on the mic here. Uh, So we have the ability to put all of these prospects not only uh, in, in comparative value to the class itself, but also the Dynasty landscape. So we're out here grinding. I appreciate everybody listening. The the listens are going way up, and we're not stopping the rookie analysis at all. There's going to be a lot more coming at you this week, uh, for the next month, for the next few months. That's how we do it here. It's a, it's a rookie process, 365 days a week. As always, I appreciate you checking out this episode of the Rookie Big Board.